Good morning, everybody. How are you? Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. 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 We're good. All right. Hey, um, did you guys have a good night last night? How many of you slept last night, like at all? Handful of you? Counselors are like, no, I did not. Uh, you'll sleep tonight because you're going to get out all of your energy playing broom hockey, doing the box sled blitz and all the, the fun things of winter camp. Um, so I, I talked a little bit yesterday about, about my kids. I told you guys that I have a, a two-year-old. His name is Caleb. I have a five-year-old. His name is Grant. And um, one thing that, that I've loved about having kids is that when you have kids, you kind of rediscover some things from your own childhood, some things that, that you, you forgot were awesome, but then you have kids, and the, those things come back into your life, and you realize how awesome they are. And one of those things for me is peanut butter and jelly. Um, I, for whatever reason, I just kind of stopped eating peanut butter and jelly as, as I was an adult. And then when we had Grant, and, and there was a point where the only thing he would eat was peanut butter and jelly. So there's always peanut butter and jelly in our house. And, oh, man, that stuff is good. The other thing is graham crackers. They're incredible, uh, but only when they're like fresh. When you just open a packet of graham crackers, they're, they're amazing. Um, and one thing that has recently re-entered my life that I'm so grateful for is Play-Doh, all right? So um, for whatever reason, we don't play with Play-Doh like as adults, like maybe some people do, but I, I have it. But, but now that my kids are... are all into Play-Doh. Play-Doh's re-entered my life, and I love it. And I'm really good at Play-Doh uh, because I can make about three different things, okay? I can make a ball. I can make a snake. I can make a snowman, all right? Which is, uh, that's really two things if you think about it. One of them is just the same thing three times stacked on top of each other. Uh, oh, and if I'm feeling really creative, if I'm in a really great Play-Doh mood, I can make a snail, I know, I know. Um, try to contain your awe, all right? Um, but, uh, but, but I love, I love playing with Play-Doh, so I'm going to play with Play-Doh a little bit today uh, as we talk together. I'm going to make us a, a snowman. Um, maybe we should give him a name. Um, George. George is a good snowman name. It's a good, strong snowman name. All right. Hey, no, no, no. Hey, hey, hey. You guys, you can't change George's name, all right? That's who he is. It's not changing now. All right, there's George, the snowman. Can you stand up, George? All right. All right, so. Guys, don't joke about George's condition, okay? Um, all right. George Snowman. All right. So, yesterday, let's review while George is sitting there. Yesterday, uh, we talked about God as the potter, right? Talked about how, how God is the potter and we are the clay and how God forms us, how God formed all of mankind, how he made everything that exists. Remember we said that he made everything for the purpose of bringing him glory, that God created everything, that he rules over everything, and that everything that was made was made for his glory. And we saw that all those things are specifically true about people, about men and women, about mankind. All those things are specifically true about us, that God made us, that, that God rules over us, and that we are made for God's glory. And we looked a little bit at Genesis, the opening chapters of the Bible, the beginning of the story of God and the world that he made. 
And in Genesis chapter 1, we saw that God made mankind in his image. Genesis 1.27 says, in the image of God, he created them. God made us, man and woman, in his image. So we saw that in Genesis chapter 1, that God made people in his image. In Genesis chapter 2, we see specifically how God made people. And we see God forming people with his hands. Especially, different than all of creation, everything else God spoke into existence, but people God made in his image with his own hands, forming Adam from the dust of the ground and then breathing his breath of life into him. That's the first two chapters of the book of Genesis, the first two chapters of the Bible. But in chapter 3, something happens. Because in chapter 3, those people that God made with his own hands, those people that God made in his image, those people that God made with the purpose of bringing him glory by knowing him and loving him and serving him, those people sinned against God. And Genesis chapter 3, we see that those people, Adam and Eve, men and women, mankind, they sinned against God. They took the purpose that God, had been, that God had made them for, that he had given to them. They denied that purpose. They did what they felt was right in their own minds, in their own hearts. And because of that, sin entered into the world. And these people that God had made in his image, that he had formed specially, now their purpose has been denied, and the image has been distorted. And what Scripture tells us is that because of the sin of Adam and Eve, because of what happened then at, in, the, in Genesis, because they were made for the purpose of knowing him and loving him and serving him, but they denied it, they sinned against him, that image was distorted, and from that point on, every person who was born was born into sin. Every person who was born is now born as a smushed snowman. Right? There's something wrong with the image. There's something distorted, something off, some denial of purpose. And now, because we live in a world that is filled with sin, this is the natural state of every one of us. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. As yesterday, we kind of set up the idea of who God is, that he's the righteous, reigning king of everything, the creator of all things, but he's also a father to his people. He desires what is best for us. We set up who he is, and then we said that we're going to go and we're going to look at the rest of that section in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look at the instructions that he gives. What are the instructions from this righteous, ruling, loving, creator king? What are his instructions? And so this morning, we're going to start down that path, but what's interesting is there in Ephesians 4, he starts with negative commandments. So negative commandment is don't do this. A positive commandment is do that, right? So a negative commandment would be when Caleb is playing on the counter doing his karate, 
don't do karate on the counter. A positive commandment is do karate on the floor, right? Um, so let's look at the negative commandments that we see in Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to open up to Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, 17. Um, I guess we start in, yeah, we'll start in 17 again tonight. All right, Ephesians 4, 17. So what we're going to see here is this negative commandment, what God is telling his people not to do, and in it, he's going to paint a picture of the life of a smushed snowman, the life of someone made by the potter, made by the creator of all things, made in his image to know and love and serve him, but who has their image and their purpose distorted by sin. That's what we'll see in these few verses is what that looks like. So, Ephesians 4.17, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So let's pause right there just for a second. When he says, no longer walk as the Gentiles do, it's important to know who the Gentiles are. Well, Gentile is a word that means someone who isn't Jewish. But in the context here in the book of Ephesians, it's not just talking about someone who isn't Jewish. It's talking about someone who isn't one of God's people. Someone who doesn't, who doesn't know and love and serve God. So when it's talking about Gentiles, it's talking about those who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus. And he's about to explain what their lives look like, what the life of a smushed snowman looks like. Okay? Here it is. He says... You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, for they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So this is how you should not live. Don't live like those smushed snowmen. Don't live like those people who, though they are made in God's image, made by God's hand, that image has been distorted because of sin. What does that look like? It looks like this. It looks like people who are walking in the futility of their minds, darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance, who have hard hearts, who have become callous and given themselves up to every kind of sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So in that picture that he paints of what sinful mankind looks like, what every one of us looks like apart from Christ, he gives us really three things there, three categories. The first is this. He says that apart from Christ... On our own, we are darkened in our understanding. We're darkened in our understanding. Look at 17 and 18. No longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. You guys know what that word futility means? It means hopelessness. It means um, if you're trying to do something that's impossible... That thing is, is futile. There's no way that you could possibly do it. So when he says futility of their minds, he's talking about the fact that their minds are, are hopelessly darkened. He says, no longer walk as they do in the futility of their minds, for they are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. So the first thing 
that we see about what it is to walk in sin, what it is to live life as a smushed snowman, what it is to have what we were made to be be distorted, the first thing that we see is that it comes down to having a darkened understanding. A darkened understanding, having our eyes blinded to the truth of God. We see this in Romans chapter 1. I talked a little bit about it yesterday, but I want to read uh, today from Romans 1. I'll read starting in verse 21 and going through verse 23. In Romans, he says this in describing the natural state of man apart from Christ. He says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile. There's that word again. Became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and creeping things. It says that we traded the truth about God for a lie. Traded the truth about God for a lie. Why? Because we are distorted by sin. Because sin clouds our vision of the truth. The truth of the gospel, the truth of who God is. There in Romans chapter 1, it tells us that all of creation, all around us, clearly points to God. That the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies above proclaim his handiwork. It tells us that all of creation, all around us, shows us, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that there is a creator. There is a potter for this clay. There is a God who made everything. And his fingerprints are all over the world around us. And deep down, we all know it. See, some of you might be here this weekend, you're going, I don't, I don't believe in God. I don't believe that any of this is real. This is, this is just nonsense. Here's the thing. You're saying that, but Scripture tells me that deep down, at some place, you know that that's not true. Because what can be known about God has been made evident, clear to every person who's ever walked the face of this earth. When you walk out those doors and you see the mountains and the trees and the skies, you can know that a God created it. You can know that God made it, that he designed it, that he fashioned it. You can know that. But so many of us, we've traded the truth of God for a lie. The truth of, of his power, of his mercy. We've traded the truth of who he is for a lie. And so instead of fulfilling the purpose that we were made for, of knowing and loving and serving the God who made us, we trade the truth for a lie, and now we know and love and serve creation. Something that is created rather than God. You see, every one of us, we worship something. You might not worship the God of the Bible. You not, might not worship the God who is the creator of all things, but you worship something. And if you're not worshiping God, then what you're worshiping is creation. Maybe, maybe you worship sports. Maybe football is your life. It is what you give yourself to. Your whole life is about playing football, getting better. Your whole life is about that sport. 
That's your highest priority, your deepest love, your greatest devotion is to that thing. And what you've done effectively is you've traded the truth about a God who made you, who knows you, who loves you. You've traded the truth about him for a lie. The lie that football is going to fulfill your purpose. Or maybe it's not football. Maybe it's, maybe it's academics. It's getting good grades. Maybe the thing that you've traded the truth about God for, the lie that you worship, maybe it's your popularity. Maybe it's your friendships. Maybe it's some specific aspect of your own identity. But ultimately, whatever it is, if it's not God, then you're living out a distorted purpose. Because you were created to know and to love and to serve the God who made you. But in your sin, your understanding is darkened. Your vision and knowledge of the truth is traded for a lie, and so you worship something that isn't God. So that's the first, is that because of sin, we are now darkened in our understanding. We seek after things other than God. We put them in the place of God in our lives. We live our lives in service of those things rather than in service of our creator. Which brings us to the next point. Our minds are darkened to the truth, and also because of sin, our hearts are dedicated to sin. Our hearts are dedicated to sin. Back in Ephesians chapter 4, Back in Ephesians chapter 4, it says this, in Ephesians 4, 18, the first part of that verse is that they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance. But then as we continue, it says, the ignorance that is in them, why? Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of of impurity. So because of sin, the natural state of mankind, the natural smushed snowman that we are apart from Christ, our minds are darkened to an understanding of God. Our minds are darkened to the truth of God, and we've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. But it's not just a problem with our minds, it's also a problem with our heart. Because our hearts are hard towards the love of God. Our minds are darkened towards the truth of God. Our hearts are hard towards the love of God. It says that they've become callous. You guys know what calluses are? Right? If you work hard, you get, you get calluses on your hands. If you play guitar, you get calluses on your fingers. Right? You get these calluses. And what happens? It's, it's thick skin that doesn't feel as much as the rest. Right? And so this idea is that because of our sin, it's like our hearts are callous. They don't feel the love of God the way that they should, the way that they were made to. Our hearts are hard to the love of God because we are slaves to our sin. It says that we are alienated from the life of God because due to the hardness of heart. We've become callous and have given ourselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. 
Scripture talks about this idea that we are slaves to sin. Jesus talks about it. In John chapter 8, it says, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. But here's the thing about slavery to sin. The chains that hold us in slavery to sin are our own desires. You see, we're trapped in our sin, but we're not trapped against our will. It's not that I'm trapped in my sin and I really want to get out of it. It's that I'm trapped in my sin because my heart is hard towards the love of God and it's filled with the love of my sin. I was made to know God, to worship him, to love him. But my heart is hardened towards the love of God, and it's filled with the love of sin. It says greedy to practice every kind of impurity. This is a picture of every one of us apart from Christ. We are greedy to practice every kind of impurity. We love our sin. We're slaves to our sin because we love our sin. In James chapter 1, he talks about this. He talks about the source of sin. What is it that drives us to sin? And he says this in James chapter 1, verse 14. He says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And the desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to to sin. You see, what drives us to sin is not that the devil made me do it. It's not that someone else tempted me. What drives us to sin, what drives us to disobey God, what drives us to live out this distorted purpose of worshiping things other than God, what drives us to it is our own desire. It's the things that we want. It's the things that we love. It's the fact that our hearts are hardened. Our hearts that were made to love our creator are hardened towards him because they are filled with the love of sin. Scripture describes that as a slavery to sin, as being trapped in our sin. And here's the ultimate end of that. He says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. That brings us to the last point from Ephesians 4 that he tells us about mankind in our natural state. He tells us about what it is to live the life of a smushed snowman, created in the image of God, created by the hand of God, yet having our purpose distorted because of sin. It means that our, our minds are darkened in our understanding of God. Our hearts are dedicated to sin and hard towards God. And then finally, our spirit is dead in our sin. He says it right there in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18. I've said it a few times, but we've kind of glossed over it up to this point. He says, they are darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. 
This is a picture of people apart from Christ. He says the Gentiles, he's using they, but here's the reality. This is every single one of us apart from Jesus. Every single one of us apart from Christ, we are darkened in our understanding. We are dedicated in our hearts to sinning because our hearts are hardened against God. And we are also dead in our spirits. Our spirits are dead. They're alienated from life. Alienated from the life of God. They are separated from the life of God because of our sin. We are separated from the life that God made us for. Because the life that he made us for is the life of knowing and loving and serving him. That's our purpose. That's why we exist, but our sin keeps us from fulfilling that purpose. Our sin separates us from the life of God. In Romans 6, 23, it says that the wages of sin is death. That means that what we deserve for our sin is death. Because we've committed a crime against the king of the universe, against the God who made us, who rules, who reigns, who is infinitely holy and righteous. We've committed a crime against him by trading the truth about him for a lie and by worshiping the creation rather than the creator. We've committed this high crime of living for purposes that we desire rather than the purpose that our God made us for. And because of that, the wages of that, what we've earned by that, what we deserve for that is death. But Ephesians chapter 2 goes even further. See, in Romans 6.23, it says that what we deserve for our sin is death. But Ephesians chapter 2, it says that because of our sin, we are dead already. Ephesians 2.1, it says that apart from Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We're dead. What does it mean that we are dead in our sins? We already said it means that we're alienated from the life of God, that we are unable to live out the purpose for which we were made, knowing and loving and serving and glorifying and honoring and being in relationship with the God who made us. We're alienated from the life of God. It also means that in our sin, we are on the road to eternal alienation from God. We're separated from God now because of our sin, and if nothing changes, if we lived our entire lives as a smushed snowman, then on the other side of it, we will be separated from God forever in hell. Because that is the just penalty for our sin. That is what we rightly deserve for the crimes that we have committed against our king. It means that we're alienated from the life of God, that we're on the road to eternal alienation. And finally, it means that we are helpless to save ourselves. Because dead things can't make themselves alive. Scripture doesn't just say that because of sin, we are sick. Our spirits are sick and, and, and they need some rest. It doesn't just say that because of our sin, our spirits aren't holy enough. And so we need to work hard. We need to do all the right things. We need to go to church. We need to read the Bible. We need to do all of those things so that we can get to a point 
where we can be made right with God and live out our purpose with God. It doesn't say that. No, it says that because of our sin, our spirits are dead. And dead things can't make themselves alive. A smushed snowman can't unsmush itself. But the good news is the rest of Romans 6.23. It says the wages of sin is death. What we deserve for sin is, is death, is alienation from God. But then it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. See, we are smushed snowmen and we cannot put ourselves back together. But the God who made us in the first place, the God who knit us together in our mother's womb, the God who made us in his image to know and to love and to serve him, we can't put ourselves back together, but he can. And in fact, more than that, he does. He will. He has in the gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus. We're going to talk more about that tonight. We're going to talk more about what it means to be put back together. To be taken from our natural sinful state. Sorry, George. To be taken from our natural sinful state that every one of us is before we know Christ. Darkened in our understanding, hardened in our hearts, and dead in our spirit. We're going to talk about how the person and the work of Jesus takes us from that and restores us to who God designed us to be. People made in his image. People made by his hand for the purpose of knowing and loving and serving him for all of eternity. We'll talk about that. But today, the question I want to leave you with is this. Does your life look like a smushed snowman? Because see, here in Ephesians chapter 4, he's not talking directly to people who don't know Christ. He's talking to people who do. He's talking to people who were a smushed snowman and put their faith and trust in Christ. God put them back together. But he's saying, look, you're not smushed anymore, so stop living like it. Stop living like these people who are darkened in their understanding. Stop living like, like you have a hard heart against God. Stop living like someone who is dead in their spirit. See, some of you are here today. You've never put your faith and trust in Christ. The reality is you are smushed. The reality is, though you were made in God's image, something is distorted and something is wrong because you're not living the life that you were created for, a life of knowing and loving and serving your creator. But there are others of you who have put your faith and trust in Christ. So scripture tells us that, that you've been made new. But maybe your lives don't look like it. You're still given to your sin. You're still living a life just like you were before you knew Christ. It, 
You say that you trust in him. You say that your faith is in him. But if I looked at your life, if I looked at the way that you interact with your friends, if I looked at the way that you honor your father and your mother, if I looked at the way that you go about life, it wouldn't look like this. It would look like this. And so here's the question I want to leave you with today, this morning. What does your life look like? Does it look like a life of someone who is dedicated to the purpose for which God made them, knowing and loving and serving him, or does it look like a smushed snowman, someone who is dedicated not to loving and serving God, but who is darkened in their mind, hardened in their heart, and dead in their spirit? What does your life look like? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would help us to see our own sin. You would help us to see the tragedy of the fact that though we were made to know and to love you, that so often we are so consumed by other things. That our minds are darkened towards you, our hearts are hardened towards you, and our spirits are dead because of our sin. God, I pray for the students in here who that describes. The students who have sinned against you and they've, they've never repented, they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus. God, I pray that today you would work on their hearts that they might be made new. God, I also pray for the students who, who have put their faith and their trust in you, but maybe their lives still look like a smushed snowman. God, I pray that you would that you would bring them closer to yourself. That as we go about the rest of this weekend, they would hear what it means to put off the old man and put on the new. God, that they might experience the reality of being made new played out in their lives. God, we thank you that even though we are distorted in our purpose and our image because of our sin, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. We love you in Jesus' name.